tuned again for episode three of Let's Rap. I'm your host, Mark Gray, joined today by former NBA star Mike Baby. How you doing today, my brother? Good, what's going on? Not too much enough. Okay, you got a sunny day out there in Arizona, I see, huh? Yeah, we just came back from out of town. We just came back from the East Coast with the high school. We had a, uh, the Bass Pro Tournament out there. And we went to the Hoopal East, so it was freezing cold. Yeah, well, that ice everywhere. Yeah, where are you? I saw that you were born in New Jersey, but when did you move to Arizona? I was, my dad was playing for the uh, Sixers when I was going there, so they were driving from New Jersey to Philly. It was something happened where I had to be born then. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? So at that time, I was born on the way back to Philly. And then I've been out, I've been in Arizona since I was like three years old. Okay, so you so you technically grew up in Arizona. Yeah, I grew up in Arizona. Okay, I got you. I got you. When did you realize the NBA was a possibility for you? Um, I didn't re- I didn't really figure it out till you know I got to college. Really? You know, I, yeah, I was always I was always very um, I was I don't, I don't know how to put it. I was I was always like overwhelmed with stuff like when i started getting letters and stuff and they put me as a top guard in the country it never really kicked in like um like i was like that guy hold on hold on you were in that 96 mcdonald's all-star game bro yeah yeah (laughs) so you mean to tell me you surrounded by you surrounded by kobe bryant and jermaine o'neal and all of that and you didn't think that you were going to the nba i didn't i didn't really i never thought like that i never thought like that but like it really kicked into me when David Falk, my agent, came to meet me. That's when it really kicked in. Like, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to make something happen. Really? So, what about Arizona? Your rookie year, your freshman year in Arizona, you won a national championship. Okay, so yeah, I, we won a championship, but it didn't really kick in for me until my agent. I met with David David Falk, super agent. Uh, you know, he had all the guys, Michael Jordan, uh, oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing, Lonzo Morton, all the guys that were getting big time money when I was when I was coming out the draft, you know, wanted to see me. And I had a meeting with him. I think that's when it kicked in for me that, you know, something really big was about to happen. Did now speak about the fact that you, you had a successful high school career. As a freshman, you start and win a national championship. Did it kind of just seem I mean, like, it was man? Good. You know, I mean, no one really expected this. I remember, I remember when we we were looking at the um, to get into the tournament. We had, I think, like a little bit over five hundred or a five hundred record in the Pac-10. It was Pac-10 back then, and we were just hoping to make the tournament. And uh, they gave us a four seed, and we just we got hot at the right time. And and then you ride that through. And, I mean, that didn't seem like, wow, I can't believe, like, this is just easier than I thought to win a national championship freshman year? No, it was, it was never easy. It was never easy in, in the in, in the in the March Madness. That's why it's called March Madness. It's one and done. So, one game, we got, like I said, we almost lost the first game or two. I think we were behind both games. We were behind both games in the first two games to um, College of Charleston and another mid mid major school and you know i mean and then we just got hot at the right time we got hot we beat you know we beat kansas we beat providence and had a, a, a lot of these teams that we beat were big time teams and you know a lot of people went pro from those teams north carolina kentucky so you got to get hot at the right time and that's what we did yeah you guys beat 
three. I think you're the first school to ever beat three number one seeds on your way to three national championship. Three number gym. ones. Right. Now, then you come back your second year. Are you expecting another title? I, I know. I know it's hard to repeat. And uh, you know, what I mean, we went. We should have went eighteen and zero in the Pac ten. We lost on a buzzer beater against Southern California. Um, but we knew it would be tough. And you know, we went up against a good Utah team, a team that was, you know, coached by Majerus and um, the Andre Miller, um, a few other guys that you know played pro for a few years, and um, we couldn't make any shots. I think they ran the triangle in two on us, and you know we couldn't get open anywhere and couldn't get any. And we we didn't really get any shots made, so it was tough for us. It was, they they kind of kicked our ass too. You know it, it was tough tough losing like that. But um, after that, I knew I was ready and. I was ready. It was my time to leave. Right after that game, you knew you were out? Yeah. Okay. Now, let, so then let's go to that. You have a successful uh, college career. Um, get, I mean, you win a national championship. You get an All-American. You get everything. You draft this second overall. Now, you are. we just established you're an Arizona kid growing up in the sun. What's going through your mind when you end up in Vancouver? Uh, it, it was tough. Uh, you know, it was between me and Oliver Candy, who was going to go the first pick. And, you know, like I said, everything always happens for a reason. And, you know, I mean, for me, it was tough. You know, I had a, I had a, a two-year-old, two, two or three-year-old son. And at, at 20 years old, it was tough moving to a different country. And, you know, I mean, that was probably the toughest thing. I, I had a lot of family that moved with me and made it easier. But being in a different country was tough for me at first. I can imagine. Now, what you combine the fact that one is dumb cold out there, correct? It, it was cold. It rained a lot. It's, it rains a lot more than it's cold. But it, it's cold. It's not like it's not like Toronto where you see the snow and it's always freezing. But I mean, there's times when it's beautiful. You know, what I mean, it, it, there's times when when I was out there it was beautiful, but it did rain a lot. And then what about for the first time? I'd imagine a ridiculous amount of losing. I hear you. And I said, and for the first time, I'd imagine. A ridiculous amount of losing. Your first game, you guys won. First year, you guys won eight games. We won. Yeah, it was. I mean, we, it, 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 the year was fifty. It was fifty games that season. Right. And um, I remember we started out four and four, and everybody thought it was going to be a big time year and this and that. And you know, I mean, I think we had in fit out of forty two games left. I think we had three, <laughs> three double digit losing streaks. Right. The season off, so I mean it was tough. We'd win one, then we'd lose ten, then we'd win one, and then we'd lose eleven. I mean it it was hard, but I mean I knew it, it was different than any kind of other team that you're going to because you know our um, our veterans were Sharif Abdul Rahim. He was I think he was 21 years old. Right. Um, Country Reeves. He I think he was like 23 or 24. So it was different than coming into a regular team to where now you got veterans that are you know 35 40 uh, 30 years old and like a regular team so you know it was tough we just we were in a lot of games we just couldn't we didn't we couldn't figure out how to win I'd, I'd imagine so you go from you do two years or three years there in Vancouver what was it two years or three years three years three years I, I got traded right before um not so Oh, I skipped over. Forgot about something there. So, in your second year in Vancouver, right, they draft you as a point guard with the second pick, and then the next year they draft Steve Francis. Uh, I mean, like I said, I think I think either of us could have played one or two. You know what I mean? I think he he had enough. 
he had enough offensive power that he could have played the two as well. You know what I mean? So I think you never know how it could have turned out. What were you, what, what were you think? Did you have any contact with him when that was going on and he didn't want to play then? Um, I, I, he, he didn't want to play there, I guess, because he said um, he asked for a trade and um, they traded him to the Rockets. But uh, you never know how it could have worked out. It could have worked out good. You know what I mean? And me playing the one or the two at that time, you, ne you never know how it could have turned out. Got you. So after two or three years out there in Vancouver, you find yourself traded to an instant title contender in Sacramento. It was good. You know what I mean? The, um, they knew the owner, uh, Michael Heisley from the Grizzlies, knew knew that they were going to uh, make the move. And, you know, he asked, you know, he, he gave me five. He told me to pick my top five places of where I wanted to play if they traded me. And, you know, I gave my list down. Uh, my five, and he said, well, where's the number one place you want to go? And I told him Sacramento. Really? You know, I never thought it would happen, but, you know what I mean? Somehow, it, it, they made it happen some way, and, you know, I remember that, I remember to this day, what was happening, it was like midnight, um, I was at LA Fitness working out, getting extra shots in in the summer, and I got a call from one of my friends that lived in Sacramento, my brother's friends, and he was like, you just got traded. And I was like, you know, I would have heard about that. You know what I mean? So I didn't have my phone on me. And so when I went to go get my phone, I had a call from out of Vancouver, out of Canada call on my phone and a Sacramento call. Um, and I remember I, just, I was just happy. I was excited. I knew I was going to uh, – I knew what they had there was already established. It was the funniest, funnest game to watch. They had the funnest game to watch in the league. And, you know, I felt that I could help. And, you know, when I came in, my agent told me, you know, just go and fit in. You know what I mean? Don't try to do nothing extra. Don't try to do anything else. Just go ahead and fit in. And, and, and I think that's what I did. You you more than fit in. What made you put them as your number one team on your list? It was just fun. I mean, it, just, it started with the fans. I remember my last, my last, the last game of my first year, they were playing us. You know, I mean, we were the worst team in the league. And to go to the arena and see the arena full for even a bad – for the worst record in the league, you know, may intrigue me. You know, I wanted to play for those fans. No, I would say for 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 a lot of people, you know, like a lot of kids are going to grow up and they had the they had the Lakers and the Celtics or the Pistons and the Bulls for a little for our five year stretch there. We had the Kings and the Lakers. Like that was that was the best rivalry in the NBA. Yeah, it, it was fun. You know, what I mean, I think you know, I played against. I think Shaq is probably the big best big man to ever play. And, you know, Kobe, I think, is in the top three. Um, so to go against those guys and be able to play and have fun with 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 my teammates and the way basketball is supposed to be played, you know, was, was the greatest time of my life. Look, Looking back on that, does it – how do you remember that? How do you remember those games? And, I mean, aside from the one where everybody says that you guys were robbed, like just how do you look back on that? Like I was a part of NBA history. I got the short end of the stick in NBA history. No, you got. To, I'm just. Glad, I was glad to be here. You know, you, you. Not everybody makes it to the league, and then, and me myself, I was happy to get. You know, play against two of the top three or four players that ever played the game. And you know, when I when I got in there, when I went to LA to play, I always tried to have fun. And I mean, it always seemed like every time I went there, I shot the ball great. And you know, I mean, it, when you're shooting the ball good, it even makes it feel better. Nah, I mean, you have you have phenomenal games, and I mean. Come down those fourth quarter stretches. The, the box scores don't do you justice 
what it is exactly you were doing in those big games. I mean, you, you made your name for yourself in those fourth quarters. And um, it just, it always seemed like, you know, the Sacramento Ten Kings had so much firepower and so many weapons, but it came to fourth quarter. And for some reason, it always seemed like Mike Bibby versus Shaq and Kobe. No, you know, the good thing about this, the team, the Sacramento King team that I played on was that, you know, no one, we knew, we knew Chris Webber was the alpha, alpha dog on the team and everybody else fell on the line. It, it never was, you never heard on that team complaining or I'm not getting any shots. You know, the stuff that you hear from teams that, you know, with guys that, you know, oh, I'm, I think I should, I, I'm, they're not using me right or I'm, I need more shots. You, ne- I, ne- I didn't hear that one time when I was with the, with the Kings, with that team. And, you know, I mean, that's the way that I, throughout the rest of my career as I got older and I got traded to Atlanta and stuff, I tried to bring that kind of mentality to those teams just to, just to have fun. And I think when I went to Atlanta, I kind of played the, uh, the bloody diva role and, made sure the guys had fun and made sure whenever we got into town, we went to eat dinner or we went to the mall and walked around, hung out a little bit. And, you know, I mean, had fun while we were there. Cause you know, you're with each other a lot of probably eight, nine months of the year, almost every day. And I mean, you got to have fun. You can't, you can't have any egos. And I mean, I, like I said, I think Vladi Divac was the best at that. He, no matter if he scored three points or scored 30 points, Vladi was going to be the same Vladi no matter what. And, you know, I idolized that, you know, watching him play, you know, with the, back in the day when he was with the Lakers and all that stuff. I, and seeing him as such a good guy, such a good person he was, I, I, I kind of took that into myself as well. Yeah, no, that, that that's awesome. And, 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 and that's part of the reason Vladi hung around the league forever. And then, and, you know, he's had the success that he's had after his NBA playing career. You know, he makes it makes perfect sense for that for that role. With that yeah. Sacramento, when you guys had that, that stretch there, was there a time when you finally realized, like, that the window had closed and, like, you, you had missed it? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think they busted the team up. Um, too early? A little too, too early. Because, um, I mean, I think maybe the year after or I, I can't remember if it was one year after that or the year after, two years, I can't remember. But I think it was too early. I think we still had a little bit left. I mean, we weren't. It might not have been the greatest, like like the 2001-2002 season, but I think we still had the same players that have been there and, and played in big games like that, to where we could still did some damage. After they traded Weber, do you do you remember your um your career high night? Yeah, I remember. I mean, we I remember we played them the next night, and I mean it was just all fun the game because it seemed like a lot of time he came out the show. I was shooting, and they were going in. And, I mean, I remember I remember that game like it was yesterday. 44. You had 44 points. Uh, yeah, Allen Iverson had 41. Yeah, I remember. He 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 could go. He I mean, they put Kevin Martin on him because, you know, Kevin Martin was 6'7". And, I mean, he just moved. He's, he's, I mean, he's a natural scorer. And, I mean, and, and that's what he did. And, I mean, like I said, I played with a lot of the greats that I think, you know, top 10, you know, to ever play the game. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel I'm blessed for that. You guys have some – you and Iverson have some good jarring going back and forth that game? No, I was, I was good friends. We played with um, – when we were supposed to go to the Olympics, you know, we, we got we got kind of close in, in that aspect of, you know, me, him kind of taking me under his wing and, you know, just seeing how he, how he reacts and stuff and doing all that stuff. And, you know, I looked up to him. And, you know, looking up to him and being under his wing is a great, it's a great feeling. 
Got you. Then now you say you moved from Sacramento over there to Atlanta, and now you said you for the first time, I guess, you're the old guy on the team. Yeah, and I mean, it was fun. You know what I mean? I came in, and I mean, there, there wasn't too much. It's been like 10 years since uh, they made the playoffs. I mean, it, it, the record was – we had a stud of losing record. We made the playoffs still, but um, uh, I just came there and just tried to, you know, make games during shoot-around if we're – little bets you know I'm just a little stupid stuff just to make the guys go close and have fun and I mean we have fun and I mean that it was it was good to be with the young guy and kind of be the older guy to kind of you know cool people down or talk to pe people and see how they felt about things and you know kind of lift them up when they were feeling down and you know just you got um real close with Mike Woodson I'm still talking to Mike Woodson today he's probably one of the best coaches I, I've had, if not the best coach I've had uh, when I was in the league. And, you know, I mean, you, you make you made friends with him, and it was just good being in the situation. You get put in, you get put in situations for for reasons. You know what I mean? Everything, everything's for a reason, and, and I'm glad that I, that it went there. Now, after you – You know what? It was, it was supposed to be Cleveland. I was supposed to go – I was supposed to get traded to – Cleveland the year before they traded me, but it didn't go through. And then the next year was supposed to be Cleveland again. And then out of nowhere, I seen on the ticker that I got traded to Atlanta. You seen on the like, ticker? That's how you got the news? Yeah, I woke up. I woke up from a nap, and it was on the ticker. My son had woke me up and said, "Dad, you just got traded." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so I called my agent, and my agent was like, "Yeah, we, you know." So we, it, it was it was crazy, but. But, you know, I mean, like I said, everything happens for a reason. They got put with a bunch of good young guys that, you know, a lot of the young guys I, that I still I still talk to to this day. Got you. Now, from you go from being a mentor role on a team that's kind of floating around the middle of the playoffs to all of a sudden now you're on the heat. LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Pat Riley, and, you know, mentoring time is over. It's, you know, now you're right back at that championship level again. What's that like to go, you know, so you basically were from the biggest show on town. Then you had kind of like a little hiatus in Atlanta from the mind light. And then, boom, now here you are center stage on the biggest team on the league. Starting. It was tough. You know, it was tough. You just going there trying to fit in and trying to make an impression to where they want to keep you. There's a lot of pressure, this and that. And, you know, I mean, you just got to hit shots. And, you know, at that time. You know, it'd be some games where I hit some, it'd be some where I didn't, and but it was just a lot of pressure, and it was just different. I mean, it was it was bigger, it was bigger than when I was in Sacramento, as far as being in a Sacramento smaller city uh, compared to Miami, and now you got arguably one of the best players that ever played the game, a few of them on the team, and I mean, it was, it was just a it, it was, it's a different situation being in a situation, and your your uh, your leash is a little bit shorter. Than, than you're used to. Okay. And, now we're and, talking. And, it and, sounds like you never really got that, that comfortable then in Miami. I mean, I, I was only there for probably like three or four months. You know, I, right. got traded, I got traded at the trade deadline, and then I I ended up playing two games in Washington. I looked that so, up. I had no idea that even happened. And I live right here. I, I saw that and said, I said, Mike Bibby Wizards. I was like, which, that being said, bitch, I need a, Wiz I need a Mike Bibby Wizards jersey. Like, that, that has to be the rarest jersey in the world. <laughs> I think, I mean, it, 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 was, it was an ugly jersey, too. <laughs> it was an ugly jersey. I had to, um, because I asked my son, because 10, 10's taken around 
the, the, the league. Hey! My bad. You good. The 10, 10 is taken around the league almost everywhere. It's taken in um, Miami. It was taken in Washington. It wasn't taken in Atlanta yet. It should be taken in Sacramento. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but there was a few places. So when I went to Washington, I asked my son, like, you know, what number should I do? Should I do – it's taken in New York as well. Um, I asked him, like, what number do you think I should take? You know, he's like, well, I don't care. I said, well, see, Michael, you got to help me. You know, I'm not trying to figure out a number. So I was going to go with zero, but now I was like, okay, Gilbert had that number. I'm not – you know what I mean? I'm going to stay – I'm going to – I'm, I'm gonna be away from that. Just let Gilbert have his number. So I didn't know if I was gonna go with one, and then I didn't know what to do, and then I just picked double zero, and, it, and that was terrible. I, that was your number, double zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> double zero. I, I looked. At, I still got on my wall. I'm like, damn, that number is ugly. But I mean, it, it, it's what I had to do. And the same thing in, in New York. I, was, I didn't know what number to pick, and you know, I I picked number twenty. And I forgot that Alan Houston had wore that. And I, uh, you know, I mean, you don't want to – guys that have – you know, I grew up in the era, like, if you go to a team and, you know, I watched them growing up and you got an Alan Houston or you got a um, Mahmoud Abdul-Rahouf. You know, right. These guys that have numbers, you kind of stay away from them. And gotcha. I had already picked 20. And the trainer the, the uh, trainer was like – the equipment manager was like, Oh, the NBR did because I tried to change it after I remembered that Alan I mean, Houston. And I mean, you just don't want to disrespect anybody's number. Gotcha. You know what I mean? That that that's been to me up here. You know what I mean? So I felt like, okay, let me trade it. Can I trade it? And they were like, ah, oh, no, it's too late. So I had to wear twenty when I was there. So you know, I just tried to get zero. I looked at zero when I got to Miami, and figured no one had zero when I was there. So I was like, let me, I'll take zero. So you so, get to Miami and you're zero. It. You get to Miami and it's like, did you, I mean, did you have rumblings that you know that you were going to be coming up on that? I mean, like, cause that's a, that's a, at that time, Miami was the biggest thing in the NBA. Yeah. We were talking about it. Cause when I went to, when I got traded to Washington, when I got there, it was kind of like, we need you to mentor John Wall. So, you know, I felt, I, I felt I still had a little bit left in the tank to, you know, I'm not ready to mentor yet. I still want to play. Right. And, and you know what I mean? They bought me out. There was a year they didn't know the lockout was going to be the next year after that. And um, and then that's what it kind of felt like to me to where you're done playing. We want you to be a mentor to John Wall. And I, I didn't feel I was ready. Mm. So that's how that went down with that. And, and then they bought me out. And then I was there in Miami for, you know, a couple months. And, you know, there, there were some good things, some bad things that happened as far as playing-wise. And, you know, I mean, like I said, you, you're, put on, you're put on the shorter leash than what you're used to playing on. And there's a lot of pressure for you to, to um, make every shot you shoot or, you know, not make any mistakes. And, you know, I wasn't used to playing like that. Now, now, when you, let me ask you this. I want to, when you say that, the pressure, okay? Let's talk about the elephant no, in the room. No, I, I don't mind pressure. I'm no, I, absolutely. We know that. We know that. No, no, no. I want to know, is the pressure from the coaching staff and management in the short leash, or are we talking about King James pressure and in terms of him and, and, and those guys putting pressure on you? It was more of uh, who was making the substitution and stuff like that, and 
it was just, you know, I've, I've never been used to playing like that to where if you miss one or two shots, then you got, you got to get pulled. You know what I mean? And it, it was, it was tough. And I'm, it, I'm not gonna lie. It was tough to play like that. Right. And you know, I, I mean, the situation was great playing with, playing with all those guys, playing for a legend like Pat, Pat Riley, and just being in the Miami uniform, being in the city of Miami, the Miami is beautiful. And I mean, it was just hard for me. I don't, I just don't think that was the right situation for me at that time. Got you, got you. Now you played in that. Now you guys go to the finals and you play against Dirk and Whiskey, who you had ran across several of times in the Western Conference. Just real quick, what was that? To me, I always say when people ask me about the, one of the most spectacular finals or playoff appearances, I always say that Dirk thing is underrated. Am I like yeah. what? What was that like watching Dirk that series? They were they they they, they were all of them were rolling. You know what I mean? All of those guys were rolling. You know, Jason Terry was hitting big shots. Barrera was playing good. Jay Kidd was hitting spot up threes. I mean, so like I said, they were getting they were they were rolling at that time. And I mean, it went to game. It went to six games. But you know, I felt I felt we could have I felt we could have pulled that off. But I think we. Lost one game out. I think we lost two out there. But I mean, I think we could have. If we went back to Miami, I thought we could have pulled it off. Yeah. Now, Jason Terry, who was a former college teammate of yours, had a hell of a series that game. I mean, he was he was balling. They they all were. I mean, I, I remember all the I remember I just watched some of the highlights the other day. And I mean, there everybody was shooting the ball well. I mean, it it was good. They they played good, real good. So after that season, you don't stay there. You and you find yourself in New York, right? On the yeah. Knicks, which is the craziest thing, right? So at the beginning of the season, on the on the on the Knicks depth chart, you guys have yourself, you have a Tony Douglas, you have Baron Davis. Those are your point guards, mm-hmm. and you have Carmelo and you have Amari. In a million years, would you have thought the biggest story that year was going to be Jeremy Lin? No, because you know how he got on. I had gotten hurt, and Baron was hurt. We were both hurt at the same time, and they called him up for. Uh, to play we were, in, we were in, we were playing the Warriors that night and we weren't playing and so they called him up in the thing and I mean the 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 season he had is like was amazing you know like the things that he was doing and the shots he was making and no one expected him to, and he came out of nowhere it, it was crazy you know I mean it's crazy you start seeing everybody's jerseys go down in the stores and you know they had a million Jeremy Lin jerseys <laughs> There's no more Carmelo and Anthony jerseys. There's no more Amari Stoudemire jerseys. There's no more Tyson Chandler jerseys. It was all Jeremy Lin. And, I mean, just to be a part of that as well, you know, it, it, it was special too because, I mean, he come out a kid that, yeah, you got might have to chop him up though, chop him up, like break him down. But um, just to be a part of that is something special too as well. You know what I mean? Being there, you know, trying to help him, a kid that, they didn't expect to, you know, even stay long, you know, get, you know, make a career off of that. And, I mean, just the, some of the stuff he did was amazing. Playing with him, like, in practice or whatever, now, did you see that coming? Like, no, nah, I always knew he could play like that. Or or, or did he just kind of catch the whole locker room off, off guard? It, it, I think it caught everybody off guard, you know what I mean? And it just uh, it just caught, it, it caught everybody guard. Like, it, it was, like, on the bench, and we were like, going crazy on the bench like damn you know i mean it was just it's like you had to see it to believe it did that change it's i mean nothing like that i feel like nothing like that's ever really happened before did that change the locker room dynamics at all i mean the pecking order in the locker room that now the best player on the team is a guy who wasn't even on the team nobody even heard of 
No, I think Carmelo is still the best. I think Carmelo is still the best player on the team. I think absolutely. Everybody on the team knew that, and you know, I mean, like you know, coming up, I remember telling Carmelo, uh, one of the, one of the better superstars I played with, as far as being a great guy and having fun and no ego like that, it was probably one of the top guys I played with. And he, I remember, he, I'm 35 years old, and he kept passing me the ball, and I told him, I said, Melo, I'm not. I'm not 21 anymore. <laughs> I can't make plays for you anymore. You got you got to make plays for us. I mean, you got to bring it up. You have to shoot it. You got to pass, make the passes. You're going. That's what you're going to have to do. And he and he understood. You know, I mean, and there was that time when I was like, I, I knew I was done playing. I didn't have that drive anymore, and I didn't feel like, you know, I get my workout in, and if I got in the game, I got in the game. If I didn't, I didn't. It was just kind of, you know, kind of fizzled down to where. You know, I knew my time was up, and, uh, and you know, just try, was trying to help any way I could. That's funny. You mentioned Melo, who who I often think is one of the, like, the most disrespected superstars in, in, in NBA, uh, and right now is a prime example of the way he's being treated in his little exit tour right now. Why, why do you think it is that Melo doesn't get the props that he deserves? I have no idea. I mean, to me, he... He was probably one of the best superstars I played with. I still think he's a superstar. I, like I said, I don't, I don't know um, what's going on in that situation, so I don't want to really talk about it. But him, I don't, I, I don't get why he's getting treated that way. Because I mean, he's still the scorer. You know, what I mean, and it's different. I mean, it's different for him. He's used to being the number one. He's been the number one person all his life, and you know, for them to you know put him in the third slot of a team. And now say you're our third option. I mean, I think it'll be tough for anybody. And you know, I mean, and for them to just miss a few shots, and now they want him to make every shot, or he's not good anymore. That that that's that's bullshit to me. You know what I mean? I mean to me, I think he he's still one of the best ISO players that I've seen, or play against, or play with. Right now, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't speak about the evolution of the point guard position from when you came into the game. Where, you know, the guys, when you got there, it was more that John Stockton was the ideal point guard and you got the team running and that was the point guard's job. To now, it's like, you know, these point guards, point guards are averaging 30 shots a game, let alone 30 points a game. Yeah, and I mean, like, I look back at it now and I, I remember the main thing, the main difference I see the point guards when I played and now is that when I played, it was a lot, everybody was mid-range shooters. You know, you had myself, Terrell Brandon, Mahmoud, um, Sam Cassell, Sam Cassell, right? Rod, 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 Rod Strickland. You go all the way down the line, and everybody shot mid range. Tim Hardaway. Yeah, yeah, but everybody shot mid range. And now, um, the most threes I think I ever shot in the game, I think, was twelve. <laughs> and that was maybe one time. And you know, six. I, remember, I, I saw a stat uh, about Kobe. You know, scored fifty-seven points, three for six from from three-pointer, you know what I mean? And then you look at you look at James Harden three, 19 three-pointers. So, you know, I mean, the game has changed a lot. And, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, just, it's just different now. Yeah, no, nah, it, it absolutely is. And what do you – I mean, how does that make you feel as a former point guard? Like, do you feel like these dudes aren't running the offense anymore? They're just jacking or – No, I mean, that's just, that's just the way the game is. The game's ever it's, – it's evolved ever since, you know – from the start of the game, and that's the way it goes. I can't be mad at that. You know, I mean, I, I look at these point guards now, and I still think uh, if you could shoot as a point guard, that's a that's a major plus. And 
you know, I played against a lot of guards that couldn't shoot. And, you know, I wasn't the, the most fleet foot person in the world. But um, those guys were a lot easier to guard than guys that could shoot. The, the hardest player I probably ever had to guard was probably Stephon Marbury. Really? Yeah, I mean, he, he was fast. He was strong. And you know he's going to get up 30 shots a game. And so, you know, when you come to play him, if he's hot, it's going to be a long night. And, I mean, that's, that's just – it's just tough if you if you if you could shoot and you got all that quickness and everything like that. I mean, it, it's it's gonna be a major problem for people. That that's interesting, and I'm surprised you said it because I mean you played against a lot of great point guards, but I mean I could especially when you say the fact that you know he's gonna get up 30 shots. Uh, I mean I can I can definitely see how that would be a um, how that'd be a tough guard. Yeah, and his mentality. He had that New York mentality. Of, he don't care if he missing. He's gonna come shoot the next one. And, you know, guys like that, that's that's tough to guard. And, I mean, it, it's tough to guard, but it also shows that, you know what I mean, you have heart. And whether you're missing or not, you're going you're gonna to try to go take take my neck off. And, you know, that's the way the game should be played. Before you got to the NBA, was there any point guard that you looked up to that you wanted to play, that when you finally got a chance to play them, like I was looking forward to playing him? Jason Kidd. Jay Kidd, right? Yeah, Jason Kidd. I always, you know – you know, being the same complexion, <laughs> being a being a point guard, and him growing, um, him being California, him being the number one point guard in the country. You know, I said I want that to be me. I remember I was in eighth grade, and my brother, hey, you look like the you look like the best point guard in the country. You guys look alike. So you know, ever since then, I looked up to him, and and it was I want to be Jason Kidd. So what was your first game like, Jason Kidd against Jason Kidd like? Um, I remember I was nervous. I know I was nervous. It was tough. You know, I mean, even just just being in the in the NBA was nervous for me. But going against him, he was in Phoenix all the time. So growing up, he um, I played with him in the summer. You know, I worked out with him in the summer. So it was a lot easier than just you know seeing him two times a year and gotcha. then that's it. So you know, I mean, he kind of he kind of helped with me. You know, kind of brought me up a little bit. Okay, well, that, that's a hell of a mentor to have because as far as I'm concerned, that's that's as good as it gets right there at the point guard position. Yeah, yes, definitely it is. And and I'll tell you one thing, I always felt like his triple-doubles felt a lot different than the triple-doubles people are doing out here today. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's probably the best high schooler that I've ever seen probably play. Yeah, nah, he, uh, he was incredible. Yeah, he was, and he, um, oops. It was, I mean, yeah, it was different. You know, everybody, like I said, it was a different time. It was a different time. Um, it was a different time of the way the stuff goes now. So, I mean, you can't, it's really hard to compare those types of things, you know? Okay, I got you, I got you. And then, before we get out of here, talk about, I don't want to forget them, talk about where you are now and what you're doing. Uh, big three, and you're a captain of the team in the big three. When, when, when you got that phone call asking you to be in the big three, I mean, were you still actively current – Currently playing basketball or whatever, not I still wanted to do that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was done playing, and you know, you get a call from Ice Cube. I grew up on Ice Cube's music, and Ice Cube could have told me, "Hey, come jump off a cliff with me." I would already <laughs> jump off a cliff with Ice Cube. You know what I mean? So I mean, I grew up, I grew up looking up to their music, his music. You know, I still listen to his music to this day, and you know, the the, the idea that he had, I think, was was great. And you know, as far as getting those guys out there, it's very successful. Um, situation that he put us in, and now we got he got us working out again, and you know, and, you know, trying not to embarrass ourselves out there. When when you first got the phone call, I'm sure you had a vision in your head about what you were doing, about what it was going to be. 
versus what actually had it has grown into. Did you did you think it was going to be this successful this early? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect coming out uh, at first. But when you first got to the thing, when you first got to the first game, it was like wow. I don't. It was like probably eighteen thousand. I think the game was in New York. It was like it was. Just filled up the whole arena. I mean, it was crazy. It just never, we never expected. I think no one expected that. And then, you know, because the first week was a little bit different than the second, third, fourth, fifth. Because people went home and really started working out, and started getting right, 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 right. And so, you know, I mean, no, I don't think anybody expected it. But once, once they got going, it, it, it's an amazing deal. Nah, absolutely. And then, and then in the first season to get so close. I mean, you guys were one of the last teams, you know, down there to the final to the final four and had a chance. And then, uh, you know, the second season you got injured and it didn't get off to, you guys got off. Well, I remember talking to you that you guys had lost the first three games by like one point, each yeah, game by it, one point. It, 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 was, it was tough though. You know, like I said, you, you always want to do good. And, you know I mean? We're not 20 years old anymore. And once you're hurt, you got to know you're hurt before you really get hurt. You right. know what I mean? I knew my, knew my hamstrings weren't, weren't ready for it. And, you know, I think I overworked myself up before the season and didn't give myself enough rest. I think that's why that thing that bit me my ass. I got you. I'm gonna let you get out of here on this last question. 20 years, let's fast forward 20, 30 years from now. Give me the three to maybe five guys you're gonna be telling your grandkids that you played against. Like, I played against that guy and let me tell you about him. Shaq. Okay. And what are you gonna be saying Jordan. about him? Okay, Jordan, uh, that's obvious. Uh, Kobe. LeBron, and let me think of one more. Probably Steve Nash. Steve Nash, good answer. Good answer. Yeah, yeah. And what, what, what would you tell him about those? What would you tell him about a Steve Nash? Steve Nash, you know, I mean, he doesn't look like he could do much, but he was out there shooting the ball, he was passing, he was running circles around everybody. He was, I mean, he was, he, he, he's not what he looked like. He'll come out there and dog anybody. And probably played. And and then and then what mic did you play against? You played against Bulls Mike or Wizards Mike? Wizards. I, when I when I first came into the league, he had just retired. Got you. So in the 50 games, we didn't get to play the Bulls that year. And so well, I didn't get to see him until he was on the Wizards. But I mean he was still doing work on the Wizards still. That's, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And then Prime Kobe, what was that like? It, it, I mean, it's kind of like I think kind of like MJ uh -huh. you know what I mean it was like I never seen anybody so determined and all that stuff but he he I mean I, it's like hard to explain you have to you have to see it just his drive was his drive was crazy yeah I, I, it, it, it is I mean it was going back to those Sacramento days it just always feel like as long as they had a guy like Kobe and Shaq you knew that the game was never out of reach it never I mean because I mean, with Shaq I mean we'd always Shaq had rules changed. The NBA, the NBA rules changed because of the way he plays. And anybody is top notch. And you know, I mean, seeing him in, when he was slamming, dunking on people like they weren't even there. Sometimes I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I mean, just playing against them two on the same team was just I was glad to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely, you were, baby. I want to. I can't thank you enough for taking out your time today. I see you got a lot going on. I appreciate you taking out your time to talk to us. And uh, man, you you didn't just you you're so humble when you say it, as if like you were just part of that Sacramento team and you were just part of those basketball games. And and 
you took a backseat to nobody in those games, man. And I remember just watching it as a fan. Yeah, man, dude, you were incredible. Ice was in those veins, and, and, and you, you were awesome, bro. And you and you're even better as a person, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you a lot for your time, man, and I'll see you later. All right, bro? Later, bro.